0: This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 2211. Train Your Brain to Keep It Young and Fit by Gary Small with lesmills.com. And I'm Dr. Neil Malik, reading you some of the most popular health and fitness blogs out there, with permission from the websites, of course, and always with a bit of my commentary at the end. And with that, let's get right to our next article and continue optimizing your life. Train Your Brain to Keep It Young and Fit by Gary Small with lesmills.com We're all going to get older so what can we do to protect our aging brain The good news is that as the MacArthur study of successful aging shows genetics account for only part of what contributes to the risk of dementia and much more of it is about environment Most people don't realize how much control they have but there are lifestyle choices we make every day That can either protect or harm our brain cells. A lot of the lifestyle strategies that help protect the brain as it ages are actually anti inflammatory strategies. The first one is physical exercise. Studies are showing that when you exercise, your brain actually gets bigger in the memory centers, and a bigger brain is a better brain. When we exercise, our brain produces brain derived neurotrophic factor, which stimulates our brain cells to sprout branches and communicate more effectively with each other. It also produces endorphins, which elevate mood, which is also good for memory and brain function. What's the difference between normal aging of the brain and problematic aging? We know that by the time the average person reaches the age of 45, there's going to be an objective decline in their memory performance. But this tends to be relatively stable and doesn't cause problems in functioning. But if that progresses, and performing everyday activities becomes troublesome, and a person is no longer independent, that's when we call it dementia. The point at which normal aging changes to something problematic can be tricky, but if someone is concerned, they should get it checked out. It's always better to diagnose a problem earlier, and this makes it easier to protect a healthy brain than try to repair damage. What is actually happening at a physical level as the brain ages? There are a lot of processes going on and each of them contributes in their own way to memory loss and other forms of cognitive decline. One change is a buildup of abnormal protein deposits called tau tangles and amyloid plaques which accumulate in areas of the brain that control thinking and memory. These proteins define Alzheimer's disease, the most common form of dementia. Our neurotransmitters, or the molecules that transmit information from one neuron to another, Don't work as effectively as we age. Acetylcholine, for instance, has been found to be less available in an aging brain, and the first medicines developed for treating Alzheimer's and dementia were those that boosted the availability of acetylcholine. That's just one example of neurotransmitter abnormalities that occur as we age. Another process that goes on is heightened inflammation. Inflammation is a normal physiological process in response to an infection, for example, or if we get injured. That's our inflammatory cells trying to repair damage. The problem with aging is that there is excess inflammation throughout the body and brain, and the cells used to fight infection start to attack healthy brain cells. Does what we eat affect the way we think? Midlife obesity increases the risk of late-life dementia, so it's important to control our food portions. You want to eat adequate amounts of fruits and vegetables, which protect the brain from oxidative stress which is associated with aging. And you want to minimize processed foods and refined sugars, which can increase the risk of diabetes, which doubles the risk of dementia. Omega-3 fats, found in fish and nuts and certain seeds, are associated with better cognition as well as better mood. Studies have shown that countries that consume more fish have lower rates of depression. Most experts recommend fish consumption twice a week. We just completed a study at UCLA looking at a bioavailable form Of curcumin, a component of turmeric, which is anti-inflammatory, anti-tau, anti-amyloidal, and an antioxidant, and we found that it had a significant effect on memory in people with normal aging or mild cognitive impairment after 18 months, and it also improved mood. Interest in this area came from epidemiological studies, which showed that older adults living in India have a lower rate of dementia when compared to those living in other countries. It's also been found that those living in Singapore who ate Indian food, had better memory scores. It was a small study, 40 adults between the ages of 50 and 90 years who had mild memory complaints, but we do plan to do a larger trial. Are supplements such as curcumin and omega-3 as good as the food they come from? The research is quite complex and sometimes doesn't answer the question in a clear way. I encourage people to consume these nutrients as part of a healthy diet. Take a supplement as insurance if you want to. One of the challenges with supplements is that they're not as well regulated as prescription drugs, so the ingredients they contain might not be easily absorbed and you might be wasting your money. You said that a good mood is good for the brain, so presumably a bad mood isn't? We know that chronic stress in animals is associated with smaller memory centers in the brain, and studies have shown that human volunteers injected with cortisol, a stress hormone, have temporary memory impairment. Other studies have shown that even 10 minutes of meditation a day or doing tai chi or yoga or relaxation exercises can improve memory and mood. There are apps now that you can download that have guided meditation and people can listen to the app for 10 minutes a day and get some relief from their daily stress. Does mental stimulation help maintain cognitive capacity? Those who have a college education or are bilingual have a lower risk of dementia. But mental stimulation from conversations, games, puzzles, and reading is also important. I tell people to train, not strain their brain. Find things that are fun and engaging, not too difficult because that will be stressful, and not too easy because that won't stimulate your neural circuits. Going back to the importance of physical exercise, how hard does it have to be? There's a lot of research on this, with mixed results. There are studies showing that if you walk briskly for 20 minutes a day, it will lower your risk of Alzheimer's disease. I like to do interval training, which in terms of brain and body metabolism, gives you four times the efficiency of continuous training. So, I get on an air bike, and I'll cycle really fast for 20 seconds, then let up for 10 seconds. Doing that, say, for five minutes, might be equivalent to 20 minutes of continuous exercise. So, you don't have to be a triathlete but you have to feel a bit of exertion. I often say to people that the triple threat against Alzheimer's disease is taking a walk with a friend. You will get a cardiovascular workout if you have a conversation. That's a neural workout. And if your friend happens to be empathic, it will reduce your stress. You just listened to the post titled Train Your Brain to Keep It Young and Fit by Gary Small with lesmills.com. slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. I want to go back to the idea of supplementing with turmeric. If you don't often consume this spice as an ingredient in the foods you eat, you can take it as a supplement. If you do take it as a supplement, Here's what I would recommend. Oh, and I should say these recommendations are based on studies. First, be sure that you buy a version of turmeric that contains black pepper. It turns out that turmeric is better absorbed when it's combined with black pepper. Next, you could consider taking the supplement with a snack or a full meal, particularly a snack or meal that contains some fat or oil. This will also help with turmeric absorption. There are some studies that show that dairy might help with turmeric absorption. So, if that meal contains like yogurt or milk or something similar, that may help. As far as dosing is concerned, 500 milligrams in the morning and another 500 milligrams in the evening would be the maximum I would recommend. And always, always check with your healthcare provider before starting any supplement, turmeric or not. Turmeric, in fact, can interfere with some medications. It acts like a blood thinner. So again, be careful before supplementing with it on your own. All right, that'll do it for today. I'll be back here tomorrow for our usual Friday Q and A, so stay tuned for that, where your optimal life awaits.